I'm Ben Summers, and welcome to the Shadow Banker Secrets Podcast, based on the book I wrote by the same name. To help guide today's discussion, I've got my good friend and colleague, Stefan Pascano. So Ben, so we, you know, I'm really thankful to talk about this topic because, you know, this is probably of all the things we've discussed, this is the most near and dear to me because I do own a marketing company. Obviously, we've been doing lead gen for 12 years now. Um, that's a key component, not only for what you've built, but for anybody looking to raise capital, anybody that has a great idea, like we talked about in some of our previous conversations, it's one thing to have a great idea. It's another thing to be compliant. And then the most, I mean, I'm biased because I own a marketing company, but the most important piece is to be able to scale that idea up and expose it to the masses, expose it to like-minded people that want to invest, partner with that. And that's such a key piece. So talk to me a little bit about your evolution on the marketing side, um, what you've done to raise capital for your strategies. Um, obviously, you've been successful, but you and I both know you could have a 90% annual return or a 250% annual return. And if you can't expose it to the public, it doesn't matter because they'll never invest in it because they'll never hear about it. So talk to me about your experience there and kind of our backstory of how we connected in that sector. So, yeah, um, with all due respect to you and sales and marketing people around the world, um, prior to us meeting via PMV, as you know, we decided to call them, um, I perceived all sales and marketing to be a bullshit endeavor that attracted bullshit people. I, w- I was of the naive belief that if you run a substantive offering, right? If you deliver something of value, in other words, if you build it, they will come and they simply won't. And what I learned through experience that I guess many people kind of just knew intuitively, and and this may be kind of a, a, a cultural thing. I think Southern people, I grew up in Louisiana. I think Southern people are just generally averse to marketing, right? More so than maybe other areas of the country. But regardless, um, I, I don't know. I, well, what's I mean, that? That's not the truth. No, for Al- I mean, not true for Alabama. Well, not true for Alabama. No. All right. Then we'll, then we'll <laughs> cut fine. that part. But that's true. Louisiana, I mean, like marketing is, is offensive okay. to Louisiana people. Marketing offends fucking people. Any self-promotion, any self-promotion, anything that's not self-deprecating. Like if you don't, if you're not self-deprecating, they'll deprecate you. Right. Well, that makes sense then, because my marketing is self-deprecating and I close more people from my home state, Georgia, Tennessee than anywhere else in the country. But that makes sense. Then. I I believed not just naively and naive isn't the right word. Just ignorant. I was ignorant. Right. And arguably arrogant in ignorance. To believe that marketing and sales was a bullshit endeavor that attracted bullshit people. Um, I believed if you build it, they will come. And what the PMV experience opened me up to, they brought me in again for compliance purposes, but I saw what was possible through a committed marketing effort. And they, they were raising money at a clip of $5 million a month. Through them, I was exposed to other similar asset managers raising over a billion dollars plus all through modern marketing techniques. And so that was a paradigm shift for me. I went from, okay, I'm the quant, the financial engineer. I'm going to create better investment products, and then they're going to sell themselves, 
which they weren't because I was not successful nothing at raising. Nothing sells itself. Yeah, nothing, nothing sells itself. And, 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 and I'm a testament to that. I did not raise money well at all up until that point, right? I, I couldn't get out of eight figures. I mean, honestly, Ben, I mean, I could have a diamond. I could go to Africa and I could dig up a diamond that's worth $400 million and I could have it here and I could know it's worth $400 million. But if I don't let people know it's worth $400 million, if I don't let people know why it's worth $400 million, all I have is a rock. Yeah. So. And De Beers is the poster child for that, right? So That's right. Um, so, yeah. And, and that's what I saw through, through PMV was that, holy shit. And, and you were responsible for all of their lead generation. Um, so that was a true inflection point for me, a true epiphany. So what happened is I, at that point in time, coincidentally, I feel like I felt like I had reached kind of a plateau on the financial expertise front anyway. You can always learn more. I'm still learning more on the financial front. Um, things are changing. You have to keep abreast of. But my primary learning focus shifted from finance to marketing and PMV opened my eyes to that. So I took what I saw Stefan was doing and then I began rigorously diving into marketing education in the same way, like I said, I had financial education before. So I went through uh, the Russell Brunson stuff, cut my teeth there like a lot of people did. Um, his protege, Steve Larson, um, says a lot of the same things, but provides some complimentary expertise uh, that has been extremely helpful. Um, Oren Claff has been brilliant on the, uh, the the messaging front, particularly when it comes to more of a sales approach than, than a marketing approach. Um, and, and then you realize you can get all that stuff in one spot with your boy right here, and I didn't even know it. That's right. <laughs> kidding. Steph was born that way, out. right? No. Like, anyway, yeah, I, I tell people all the time, like um, – Steph, I think you're you're critical a little bit when I prescribe a book to people uh, if I'm trying to improve their sales and marketing skills. You know, like you can't get that shit from a book. And that reminds me from my my baseball playing days. Like I played with Ben Cheats in college, and uh, we were both Louisiana Monroe before I transferred to LSU. And um, I remember we're we're throwing in right field, and I was always introspective, right? Um, and I got better. I wound up topping out in the mid nineties. I played professionally, like, uh, you, you, may, you probably know. Um, but I wasn't born that way. Like I worked really hard and was constantly evaluating my mechanics and, and trying to improve. And Ben Sheets would make fun of me. Like, he'd like he'd pick up the fucking ball and throw. And the difference was that when Ben Sheets picked up the ball and throw through, it did what he wanted it to do. He didn't have to be introspective. Right. Uh, I did, and and I got better, right? And it, I I got the professional baseball because of it. If I wasn't, I wouldn't have gotten there. Hell, I wouldn't have even gotten to college if it weren't for that that, that mindset, right? And I I view everything through that lens. And and Steph, uh, this is both, I guess, a, a compliment and a criticism at the same time. <laughs> you were born gifted, right? You you were yeah. like you just kind of intrinsically knew uh, how to. I'm re- extraordinarily handsome is what you're about to say. Yeah, yes, that's right. I know it's, yeah, and intrinsically know how to relate to people, right? You you read people oh, naturally, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, right. You, you understand how to move with people. That is not a skill set that's innate to me, right? So when I read, say, Flip the Script by Orrin Claff, like, that's not just an academic exercise. Like, I became a substantially better copywriter and salesman as a result of that effort, right? A, a, and you can verify that. You can look at, like, my performance pre and after, right? So – well. 
and not to say like you, you can't turn an invalid into an athlete, but you can certainly take someone who is very mediocre and make them very good. Well, and Ben, that's the cool thing is like, and that's what I love just about life in general, about what we're talking about. Like, you're obviously a brilliant guy. Like, I mean, I would never even try to put my intelligence intelligence level in the same category as yours, honestly. But we all have different categories that we can investigate to get better, right? And so you, as in my opinion, the smartest human being that I personally know, and I don't, I'm not saying that to be polite, it's just a fact, and everybody that's talked to Ben or investigated his backstory knows that. I mean, it's just kind of factual. Even you had to investigate. You had to learn. You had to take it a step further to try to perfect taking what you had built out to the general public. And you did it with these courses. Me personally, it was kind of the opposite, I guess, to where marketing and all that just kind of made sense to me. So when people talk about the marketing books, Orin Clad, all this stuff, you know, I, I never did any of that. Um, and I've sent billions of emails and you can make an argument that I've driven more traffic in the investment sector than anybody the last 10 years. And I just, it just made sense to me. But on the financial side, I had to do the same investigation that you had to do on the marketing side to learn how to calculate a cash on cash return or a cap rate or any of these fundamental things. It took me a while getting to know you. And that's, what's cool about this is that you've kind of combined everything into one sector to where if you are intellectually curious, like you were, like I was, like we both still are, they can better themselves. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me personally, that's one of the biggest mission statements of these calls that we're doing here is to let people know you might be really successful. You might not, but you can be better. We all can be better. And this is another resource to add to your arsenal to help you be better. It's more than just being better. Like I, would, I want to expand on that by saying, like, and I deal with this all the time. Uh, people identify, and it's all about like identity. Like people identify as being good at a thing, or like, like I am this, right? Like yeah. I am the marketing guy. I am the finance guy. Like those are arbitrary and meaning, meaningless bounds. You're not that, yeah. Right. Like I mean, it would be like it'd be very easy, and to my benefit, a lot of my colleagues on the finance side do this. Well, yeah. I'm a quant. I'm not the marketing so, guy. I'm going to stay in my lane, right? Well, again, out of necessity, I had to learn both, right? Because I was not succeeding at the, the capacity I was capable of um, by ignoring that. And then what was really kind of, I don't know, gratifying is the term, but I realized once I learned marketing that marketing requires as much rigor as any technical discipline quantitative finance, medicine, law, engineering. It requires just as much rigor. Just most people aren't willing to make that effort. And that's why I think most marketing firms aren't very good at what they do, right? And they don't know where to start either, but yeah. Yep. Um, the rigor is really a sociological and psychological exercise. You have to make it a point to understand the psychology of your audience as well or better than they understand themselves. So that you can put up a mirror to show them that you understand what they're thinking. You understand the emotional context of the challenges they face in the domain where your solutions reside. And when you can do that, when you make that effort to understand the other side and can communicate in their language, 
around the emotional context that motivates them. That's marketing. And that is that requires effort, the reconnaissance, the effort, the data collection, the numerous endless iterations of copy. Make, um, so then that made me feel a lot more, uh, A, uh, okay, if not proud to be good at marketing because now it's not, holy shit, it's not a bullshit endeavor. It's a legitimate discipline, right? You're like, the only one, as I've told you a million times, man. I mean, and, and what you've done with Facebook marketing specifically – and, you know, we met, you know, I mean, I've sent literally billions of emails with a B with on the marketing side, and I hate Facebook. But you actually perfected the Facebook marketing algorithm, which is a huge compliment. I mean, it is. Well, I, I always shout out to Sam Ovens for that, right? Um, okay. So, again, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself to be terribly creative, but I consider myself to be very good at synthesis combining existing ideas and existing information. And one thing I, I came across um, not too long after I had gone through most of, uh, most of Russell Brunson's stuff and by extension, Steve Larson's things, is Sam Ovens. And what I really appreciated about Sam was that he took an engineering, if not scientific approach to marketing. And that obviously resonated with me given my personality. And so one of the... Um, it's changed recently, admittedly, but up until, say, January of this year, he advocated for Facebook as the sole advertising medium for a lot of reasons I won't go into. So I just studied his material, right? And um, surprise, like someone who takes a rigorous effort, approaches something, systematizes it. Oh, it's duplicatable. Surprise, right? So anyway... Um, that, that's where I learned Facebook, but it did it does work. And, and I'll admit, say my my domain is more challenging than others. So I will give myself a little credit there. It's it's not like selling diet pills, right? But the same principles um, sort of uh, dictate the terms. And granted, the algorithm changes over time. We've had to evolve in time, continue to test. But it's it's the same principles that I, I learned from others. I you know Ben, I got to tell you, and we'll probably cut this out. But this is just an organic deal here. You know, we've talked a little bit about sports because you were a professional baseball player for several years and you have that background. I'm a huge sports fan. My favorite athlete in any sport is Kobe Bryant. And the reason being is because he wasn't the best from a talent standpoint, but he was obsessed with being great. If you read the stories about Kobe, the reason his teammates didn't like him is because he would spend all his time watching film. He wasn't at the clubs and he was obsessed with Michael Jordan to the point where he studied his every move to where he was a replica. I feel like that's kind of a similar contrast here to what you've done to where you found what worked in each sector. You studied it, you perfected it in my words, not yours. And you combine those into one infrastructure to where, to me, it's just, uh, it's not really something that's been done before. Am I crazy to say that? Well, I've probably done it with a little more rigor, at least, than has been done. Um, a lot of people categorize perfectionists as insecure people who are just afraid to move forward. I'm a perfectionist in a more pragmatic sense. Like, I just legit want everything to be perfect, and I will not stop until it is. And then I'll publish it, right? And And yeah. that's... And that, that's just really been the case. Like, I'm, I'm never complacent. It's probably because I'm OCD or maybe borderline autistic. But regardless, um, whatever sort of psychological sort of features I may have, 
drive me to always pursue the next level, right? Um, and it's not, I mean, I'm, I'm a really competitive person, but it's really, it, it may be a manifestation of fear if I'm just sort of being candid, right? Like, um, like how, how, how do I know how long this is going to last? Is this going to last? How, you know, I, what's the backup plan? What happens at this phase? Like, maximize it while you can. Right. You know? and, and, and I am really driven to maximize potential. So that, that's sort of an innate drive for me that might be a little bit different is that I am, I find it to be a travesty when anyone or anything does not achieve its potential. So you are the kind of person like you could make 26.6% and you'd be pissed because you knew you could have made 28.1%, right? Yeah. And, and if not and angry, it, 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 I may be angry, but even if I'm not angry, I'm going to say, well, what could I have done to get there? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah. And, and, and none of these things are like a rare talent. They're just a decision really. Right. It's just, it's just yeah. a decision-making like paradigm. Um, so it's an insatiable, like a, really a commitment, but not like a disciplined commitment, just a natural commitment. Like I really, really, really want this and life is not worth living without it. So this is what I'm going to do. Right. (laughs) You do have OCD because that's how I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. And then I want it to be as good as it can be. And everything else just kind of falls in place. Right. Like, are there people smarter than me? Yes. Are there like you can, there, there are people better than me at everything. But I think what makes me a little bit unique is again, that, that, um, sort of, commitment to a thing and the lack of complacency in the, in the path. Right. So I learned Facebook advertising, um, from Sam, but one thing that no one can teach you in a formulaic way, well, at least I didn't think they could is what to say, the copy, um, a framework can be provided, but you, you really are responsible for your own copy. I mean, as Steve Larson says, um, Trying to delegate marketing from your business is like trying to delegate sex from your marriage. It just doesn't work. You've got to, you've got to craft your own message, your own voice. And uh, so I was a little st- torn there. Um, again, I learned how to um, construct a webinar, to deliver a webinar uh, through Russell Brunson. I learned um, a great deal about general market reconnaissance, uh, defi- defining an avatar, all of the general marketing principles that are required to really do anything successfully as a marketer, I, I gained from uh, Russell. But one area of divergence was his insistence on not using what he calls technobabble. So what, what he would say is, when you speak about what you do and the benefits of what you do, you have to speak to the layperson. You cannot speak to people who already know what you're doing. And I tried to do that, and that just homogenized my message into being incredible, like literally incredible as a not believable because it sounded like everybody else, right? Yeah. It's just, a, it's just an empty claim. And that's when Orrin Claff, um, I, I was introduced to Orrin Claff through someone in um, Russell Brunson's network. And that was a game changer because – Oren's pers- perspective or direction is very different. Uh, the first iteration, the first um, opportunity for exchange is where you express what he calls a status tip-off, 
where you speak the language of the person you're trying to speak to, to command respect, to show you have an comparable or equivalent level of understanding, right? So if you're speaking to a bartender, you speak about sort of like the the, the top shelf liquor that might be hidden behind the, the, the cabinet, right? Um, so Not the HRD vodka. Yeah. There you go. That's right. So you don't avoid technobabble. You actually embrace the technobabble of the audience you're Their speaking sector. to. That's right. Yeah. And then take it one step further into what you would describe as a flash roll, where now you're taking that quick introductory statement that quickly establishes rapport and immediate respect, and now you go in what he calls a flash roll, where you quickly demonstrate the highest level of your expertise to overwhelm the other person, to say, wow, not only does this guy know what I know, but he knows things I don't know that are, are of, of value, right? And so that was the missing piece for me, because that's what's required, particularly in the finance space, to establish credibility. You have to show people how you're able to do what you're able to do. Well... And Ben, you know, we can attest this from our personal conversation. It's kind of funny, I think, to both of us, to me for sure. You know, as a marketing guy who just kind of figured it out, and I'm thankful I've been blessed to have a lot of success in that field, um, I don't put a lot of stock in courses, as you know. And uh, a lot of people tell me, oh, you're doing this thing from this course. And I'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is what it, but you, and I mean, and it's it's more impactful for me, y'all, because I've talked with dozens, maybe hundreds of people that have tried to tell me X, Y, Z, and it's always not effective. It's not accurate. It is what it is. Ben is the first person. You are the first person that um, has said, hey, we can do this in this way and it will be effective. It will convert. It will work. And, uh, and that's with Facebook marketing, copywriting on the email sends different things to where I said, OK, you know, let's see it. And in the dozens, maybe hundreds of people that have done that before, it's always failed and it's never performed to the level that my organic stuff has. You are the first person who has shown me, wow, OK, what you put together does work. It converts extraordinarily well. And I think the reason, this is my opinion, I think the reason is because you've combined all of that knowledge, all of that research time into perfecting how to present your message to people with your organic knowledge on the core content itself. Because it's rare that you combine the two. Some people really have the core content, but nobody ever knows it exists. Some people are great marketers. They can yell from the rooftops about whatever that has no substance. You seem to me to have the combination that's rare of substance and marketing capability to present that substance to the masses. And I think, as I may have mentioned earlier, that's simply a function of a decision. I reached a plateau of my financial expertise. I was fortunate enough to be exposed to experience, an experience with PFB, PMV to demonstrate what the potential for marketing within finance could be, and then making the decision to learn marketing with the same rigor as I did quantitative finance and financial engineering. And it's that simple. It's just a decision to learn. And, you know, at this point, we're probably about the same amount of time learning both. And that's what's cool to me, Ben, is that, you know, you can take that initiative. It's really the drive. It's that focus. It's that desire to be better, whatever your field is. In our case, it's investing. And investing, a lot of people, when they hear that word, the first thing they think about is money, right? 
And a lot of my family members, even and friends that know me and know my background, they say, oh, I, what should I do in this? They just think about the money, but it's not about the money. It's about your lifestyle. It's about your ability to have more time with your family. It's about peace of mind that lets you maybe even be healthier. It changes everything when you have a comfort level. And that's what I appreciate so much about you. You've not only developed tactics that can help people grow their financial future, but you've also spent the time and the effort and the investment financially and time to perfect marketing that expertise to present it to the public. So, you know, I'm impressed with what you've done as a marketing guy. I know you've proved me wrong time and time again <laughs> with, with what you've built and the success of it. But uh, in closing, I mean, what would you say to somebody? Maybe they have a great idea out there. Maybe somebody uh, wants to promote themselves or opportunities that they found, but they don't really know where to start. What's the best place for that person to start? What have you learned that in 60 seconds you can impart? Learn marketing, right? Like, I, <laughs> Take the time. Yeah, I, I ignored it to my detriment for the better part of my life. I wouldn't necessarily advise learning marketing first. I think you should learn what you're passionate about first. But Agreed. then once you've mastered that, um, just accept the fact that you will not achieve your potential until you master marketing. You can't, you can't delegate it. And that can be manifest um, in anything. Pause. I'm gonna. We're gonna just keep all that. Cut the last sentence, and I'm gonna transition to cut capital creation. Um. So. So Stefan talked about investing. Uh, marketing is obviously um, fundamental to um, in selling an investment. Um, marketing is obviously fundamental to communicating um, an investment. To communicating. Uh, to understand, not only communicating, but to understand. So you, you, it's critical to understand that marketing is a two-way conversation. You have to understand what people need. You have to understand what people want or think they want and be able to bridge that gap. And when you can do that, um, you can monetize anything worthwhile. And in my case, yeah, investing is a big part of what we do. But if you take it one step further, the grander theme here is that we can create and monetize capital analogously to the banking system by virtue of the nexus of financial engineering and marketing.